You may be seated. Good morning. So thankful for all of you who were brave and strong enough to come in from the cold. I'm going to read um, from the book of Numbers. I'm just going to move this over here for a second. And uh, we're going to read from Numbers chapter 20 and, and, and then jump to Deuteronomy chapter 34 just so we can see the consequence um, and the fulfillment of what happens in Numbers 20. So this is now, there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranate, and there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them, and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and he struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. And the Lord said to him, that is Moses, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. God's word. So we're continuing uh, the series this morning. called Learning to Let Go, and sort of the subtitle of this is, is, and bear your cross. And I really, truly believe that a lot of things that have to do with our faith, with who we are as people, with how we show up in the world, is a long process of learning to let go and learning to bear that cross that Christ calls us to bear. And it is a challenge it is a lifelong process. It's, it's not fulfilled ultimately until our death. And the journey there um, is sort of fraught with a lot of temptation, a lot of shortcuts, a lot of challenges, and we all experience them in our own unique and different ways. But there are some things that we all sort of collectively experience, some truths. I call them universal truths. Um, so just real quick, just a simple question. Have any of you ever worked in retail or ever worked 
in, um, in a restaurant or in some sort of service industry? Anybody? I can see hands. Yes? If you haven't, um, we need to remedy this. Because one of the universal truths that I think um, everyone comes to know when they have these experiences is that working with people is frustrating. It is so frustrating. And this is a universal truth. And you really come to appreciate this. Um, you can learn it in many places, but I think you do come to appreciate this in the service industry because like, no matter how much you smile, no matter how many times you do all the right things, there is always someone that still wants to speak to your manager. <laughs> Someone that still isn't happy with what you've done. They're upset that you should have done something that you didn't do. And, and it's just frustrating. And we experience this in so many different facets of our life, certainly in the service industry, but we also experience this in our workplaces. Our coworkers can be incredibly frustrating. We experience this in our families. When we gather together, like, you know, not everything is smooth. Our families can be incredibly frustrating and irritating. And we just sometimes find it very hard to get along despite our best efforts, despite everything we try to do. Sometimes there's this struggle, right? And we all experience this on just different levels and different ways. And so what is also universally true because of this is that leadership is incredibly difficult. That is, if you ever have to work with people or manage people or navigate with people, um, it is so frustrating. Because there is never a perfect way. There's just a way. There's never a solid foundation. There's just a foundation. But there's always someone, something, somehow where it's just not what they think it should be, not what they envision, and it can be challenging. And so what ends up happening a lot of times is whether you lead people or work with people or experience family dynamics, whatever it is, things just don't always go as hoped. Like we have this ideal, I think, in many times and in many places that if everyone just shows up, does the right thing, and keeps pushing forward, there'll be unity, there'll be peace, things will get done, and there'll be clarity and purpose and efficiency, and you just fill in the blank. And so lots of energy, like a lot of corporate energy is spent on writing manuals to sort of motivate people to do the right thing. Because if we all do the right thing, it'll work. But it doesn't. It doesn't work. Because people are fickle. People don't show up in the same way all the time. And it's challenging. And this is exactly what we see when we look at this text from Numbers and Deuteronomy today. It's a learning to let go of what is hoped for. And it's also learning to let go of what you think you deserve. And Moses was a leader of people. He was called by God but Moses really experienced very quickly the challenges of this. I mean, he, he led the people of God out of slavery in Egypt and into the wilderness onto the promised land, the land where milk and honey flows. And so there was a great vision and there was a great mission. <laughs> let's get out of here and let's go to the good place. Let's leave the bad place. 
And everyone was on board. God was calling them to it. They experienced miracles. They witnessed his power. And they were ready to go. And so they, they leave from Egypt. They go through the Red Sea as it's parted. And they get into the wilderness. And there's a celebration immediately after. And it all seems well for a moment. And then the grumbling. As they're heading to the promised land, the food isn't as good, sleeping in tents isn't as great, and they begin to grumble against Moses and Aaron. And they begin to say things like, we would rather be in slavery in Egypt where we know we're going to get three square meals than be here in freedom with God. And so very quickly, they forget how hard it was for them in Egypt, and they don't like how hard it is for them now, and they want to go back. And this frustrates Moses, and it's really what leads to them ending up having to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, because they're just um, ungrateful. They, they, they think that they deserve more. And so then we get the scene where Moses, um, they come to Mount Horeb, and Moses goes up to the top of the mountain, and, and God uh, reveals himself and gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And, and here's what's true about people as well. Um, whenever there's stress or anxiety in the system, whatever system it is, people look for a clear and eminent leader. But who they look for is not always healthy or good. And so what happens in many cases and in many places is people are drawn to the biggest personality, the most extreme person in the room, because there's some sort of assurance and confidence, even if delusional in that, that they move towards them. And this is why people are drawn to narcissists all the time, because there's some um, confidence that we all want to experience and see, and so... People are drawn in the absence of imminent leaders sometimes to stray and try things that God doesn't want. So I don't know how long Moses is up at the top of this mountain, but the people are stressed because they're thinking about the good times in Egypt, even though they were slaves, and they're thinking about how Moses just left them. And, and in their minds, they create this, like, reality that they're left for dead, basically. And so they're looking for somebody to follow, to worship. And so what do they decide to do? They decide to melt down everything and build a golden calf and begin to worship Baal, Baal, a false god. Because he seems more present to them for some reason in this moment. And of course, Moses comes down off the mountain, and, and this is the epitome of being frustrated with people. Like, they literally were led into the wilderness by a column of fire through a, a sea that was parted for them. They, they saw, they heard the thunder, they saw the smoke on the clouds, the mountains around there, and, and God seemed present. And yet, in the midst of all this, they are like, eh, we just need something more. We deserve something more. And they start worshiping something else. And so Moses is angry and he snaps those tablets and he ends up having to redo the whole thing again in frustration. So there's a pattern here. God's people think they deserve more. Moses thinks he deserves better in frustration. And so we come to Numbers 20 and, 
and it's just more of the same. There's no water. And so it says that the people assembled together against Moses, against Aaron. And what's fascinating to me about this is that if you just back up to chapter 19, we get this story where the assembly, the congregation, is gathered together to mourn the death of Miriam. Now, I said in the other two services, Miriam was Moses' wife. That is false. (laughs) Miriam is Moses' sister. But they gather, and they mourn her loss, and, and then we come into this next chapter, and they're against Moses, and I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, can this man not catch a break? He is grieving the loss of his sister. The assembly knows this, but they're upset with him because they're not getting what they think they deserve. And so Moses and Aaron go to the tent and they ask God what to do. And God says to them, take the staff, assemble the people and tell the rock before your eyes, just call out to the rock to yield its water and it will yield its water. And so what does Moses do? He, Moses is just like the people, right? He, he experienced the presence of God. God showed up, told him exactly what to do, and did he do it? No. He gets in front of the assembly. He calls the congregation together, and I, just, I can just imagine this. He looks at them, and he's mad at them. And so he says to them, here now you rebels. Shall we bring water out of this rock for you? Like, you think you deserve this? I mean, you really don't deserve anything. The irony is Moses didn't either. And so Moses, in his frustration and anger, he strikes that rock twice, and water does come gushing out. God is graceful, gracious, and still gives them water. But what does God say? God says, because you did not believe in me, and you didn't uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people, now, Moses, everything you've been working towards, all the things you've been putting up with, like everything, you now, Moses, don't get to step into the holy land. You get to see it, though. Oh, I'm frustrated for Moses when I read this. I think, how is that fair, God? Doesn't Moses deserve to go into the Holy Land? Doesn't he deserve it? But he made a significant mistake. And here's the thing. like The closer you get to the holiest of holies, the bigger the responsibility Moses had a tremendous responsibility. And not only did he not trust God to not strike the rock, but instead just to speak to it, but how he presented God to the people was not what God intended. Moses said, you're a bunch of rebels. And Moses said, should we give you water? And, that, and, and God did not communicate any of that to Moses. I mean, what God probably was expecting was Moses to gather the assembly and say, because of the gracious love of God who has been with you, he's going to provide you water from this rock. Water, come out. 
but he didn't present God as holy or faithful. He presented his anger and selfishness. And he doesn't get what he thinks he deserves. And I do empathize with Moses. I, I find this exceptionally cruel in some ways. I mean, to me, it's like, it's like putting cheesecake in front of me and saying you can look but not eat it. <laughs> Moses, you can look at the promised land, feast with your eyes, but you don't get to go. But this is, to me, the very definition of letting go and and carrying your cross because a lot of us on our journey in faith, there's a lot of things that we think we deserve. But in the end, if you really boil it down, we're we're not really as faithful as we think we are. We're not as put together as maybe we want to be. And when I think really we're, we're, we have to explore or really have to understand is that many times we just have to choose our heart. Choose your heart. Like, like I, I read a lot of articles. I like to read. There's a lot of stuff that comes out at the beginning of the year. And it's all, of course, about health and fitness and diet and exercise. And, and this article was talking about choosing your heart. And basically it's like, listen, um, you have a couple of choices when it comes to your health. You can choose to eat baked chicken and broccoli, and that's hard. It's like be like on your diet, choosing healthy choices over and over and over again. Or you can eat bacon and eggs and sausage and uh, fried foods, uh, and, and you're just going to delay your heart because then you'll be on medication to manage your cholesterol, or you might have a heart attack or need some sort of therapy. And so you choose your heart, Right? God's people, Moses, they're, they're choosing their heart. Many times we want what we want when we want it, and so we go for it. We go for the immediate gratification and end up choosing something hard later on down the road. And this is why Christ calls his people. He says, like, take up your cross, follow me. My, my burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But following Jesus isn't easy inherently like the world doesn't believe being faithful trying to bear good fruit to to go where christ calls it's it can be hard sometimes because we get angry we get frustrated this is why jesus says that we need to be willing to give up everything for his sake or or do you want to have everything now and forfeit your soul? It's that imminent question. What heart are we going to choose? Because the reality is, is in a world of brokenness, in a world of, of sin, like, heart is, is the given. So what do we do with it? What do we do with it? I'm not being facetious, but we be happy, <laughs> we be content, and we be glad. That is, we, we understand and know that Moses wasn't perfect. He couldn't do it. 
He couldn't be that perfect leader. The people couldn't be those perfect followers. And this is why we need Christ. This is what Christ is about. Christ came and did what Moses could not do. That is, he stood between us and God and was faithful. He didn't look at us and say, you bunch of rebels. He looked at you and says, I choose you. You are mine. He didn't forsake you. He moved toward you. And he had every right to just be angry. But instead, he gave up everything and went to the cross. He presented God the Father as holy and died for us. He chose his heart. But what he chose for your sake was a choice that makes it easy. No matter what hard we experience in this life, no matter what we suffer in this world, we have the promise of life, resurrection, and peace. So we may experience hard, but it's ultimately temporary. We just can't forsake Christ in the process of trying to alleviate what we think we deserve and what we think is hard. A little bit later here in the service, we're going to be giving away some children's Bibles and things. And, and um, I like this is from the International Children's Bible, the translation of Psalm 9, verse 2. It says, I will be happy because of you. God Most High will sing praises to your name. I like that verse because despite how hard life can be, no matter what challenges might be presented to us, no matter what kinds of people we have to work with or what kinds of people have to work with us, we're happy because of what God does. We sing praises because of what he did. He chose you. And because of that, you have life. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.